Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn, and this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I am super honored and excited today to meet my new, to introduce my new friend, Sharon Martin. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Dawn. <laughs> um, Sharon and I, well, I'll tell you a little bit about our meeting in just a minute, but um, Sharon is also a heavy hitter, even though she doesn't recognize that in herself. She is a civil servant, uh, has been a civil servant for 36 years, uh, public health advisor, community leader, motivational speaker, mentor, and world traveler. Um, she was raised in Baltimore City, Maryland, where she was the third oldest of seven children. That's a big family. Yeah. <laughs> she currently lives in Lithonia, Georgia, is a recent widow. I'm sorry about that again. Uh, and has six adult children and six grandchildren. Another big family. Sharon works for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which this is so um, applicable in today's, you know, today, what's going on, the coronavirus pandemic all around the world. Um, where she, she's held numerous positions over the past 33 years. During her time at CDC, she's dedicated herself to developing and motivating employees and enhancing their work experiences by serving on committees, boards, work, work groups, and employee organizations. She's called on by her organization and community groups to share motivational word or poem. She serves as community relations ambassador and has served as president chair of the CDC ATSDR, which stands for Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry, uh, the Association for Prof Professional Women, the National Center for Injury Prevention and Control Workforce Enhancement Workgroup, the CDC ATSDR Equal Employment Advisory Council, CDC Mentoring Program, and the CDC Twilighters Bowling League, to name a few. She was a 2014 CDC ATSDR Blacks in Government Black Woman Rock Honoree. Sharon's also dedicated to the betterment of her community with special emphasis on the development of youth and young adults. She serves as chair of the Lithonia First United Methodist Church, Christian Education Visioning Workgroup, volunteers at Hosea Feeds the Hungry and Homeless, Hosea Helps, and Hands on Atlanta participated in the Farrington Elementary School Reading Program, and served as the co-chair of the White Oak Hills Baptist Church Youth Executive Board and Youth Academy and director of the Youth Choir. Is there anything you haven't done, Ms. Sharon Martin? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast. <laughs> Maybe that's why I feel like I need to rest right now. <laughs> You have had a big, full, philanthropic life. Yes, thank you. Yeah, uh, which is why I totally resonated with you when we met on our disco cruise. Yes, yes, that was fantastic. That was fantastic. Just in time to, uh, you know, preface the pandemic. We were really, really lucky and blessed to be able to Indeed have that experience we together. Yes. And I wanted to ask you, what was your favorite part? My favorite part of the cruise? Uh -huh. It was you guys. Oh, my God. You guys made my cruise the best. You know, we really had so much fun. We just clicked and just 
a simple thing like you telling me that, hey, look, your, your back's getting pretty red. And I'm like, oh, let me go take care of that. I came back and we danced and, we, and we've been dancing ever since. You saw me on the dance floor. You said, oh, come over here. That was the best, you know? And so it really added something to the cruise because, you know, I don't, did you ever meet my girlfriend who was traveling with me? No. I know. See, because you guys were supposed to be with me. I was supposed to be with you. And then when we show up on Valentine's Day with the same, almost the same identical shirt on, I'm like, wow, this meant to be. But you guys really added a lot to my, um, for my, to my cruise. You really no, did. And, and you added to ours too. I mean, your energy, the, the first time, even before I noticed your back was red, I <laughs> loved your energy dancing. And I was like, ooh, I got to dance with this woman. And we <laughs> that did. Was so much fun. We danced and we danced and we danced. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Every chance we got. We did. So, you know, because I, it's so funny, you know, that we resonated so quickly and deeply. You know, we had a lot yes. of really great conversations. And mm-hmm. this is why I wanted to invite you on the podcast and how apropos that you work for the CDC with what's going on. So I know you're not going to speak in an official capacity today, but I wanted Mm -hmm. to ask your perspective on, um, on what's going on with the coronavirus. You know, with the coronavirus, I I really would, I wish that people would take it more seriously Uh because understand how social distancing really does make a difference in controlling this virus and slowing it down. So if, if you're talking about physical distancing, right? Yes, yes. Physical distancing. Um, because, you know, I've shared on uh, Facebook, uh, you know, at several diagrams that shows how it works. You know, when one person affects two people and those people go out and affect five people, you know, and it just, it just snowballs mm-hmm. and just convey that if people would just understand how important that is. And of course, the washing of the hands, but more so the proper washing of the hands. Most people just rub their hands together and run the water and they're done. But you have to wash your hands. You have to go to the back of your hands. You have to take your thumbs. You have to take your fingers. And because under your fingernails, where thing, you just rubbed your hands like that. You didn't get under your fingernails. Mm-hmm. Still carrying that, that germ. That, and you're eventually going to touch your face, your nose, your mouth. So, you know, you got to be really mindful right now of that. And, and, I, and I just want to, you know, stress that, you know, this social distancing does work. It does help to c- control this virus. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like the media, um, this, is, this is the thing, that there's a lot of fear, you know, a lot of fear-based um, publicity. And yeah. I feel like, I feel like, you know, this, this pandemic is helping people recognize their resourcefulness, yes. recognize their connection, regardless of the social distancing. It's making mm-hmm. us look at things in a really different perspective. Oh, absolutely. You know, you, you, you take your family and your friends for granted sometimes. Mm-hmm. And think this is making us all sit up and take notice that, hey, you know, we've got each other when we don't have anything else. 
and people are being very creative in connecting. You know, people are, thank God for social media, people are connecting more on social media and um, keeping, you know, I can't go to my mom, but I can call her, we can video chat, you know, and things like that, but I can't get to Baltimore right now. Mm-hmm. And I really making people pay attention to what's important. And some of the things that are important that we probably took for granted is the fact that we don't call one another regularly, or we don't get together. We always say we're going to. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? You might wake up and there is not a, a day for us to, to do that. We've postponed it one time too many. Yeah. And recognize that we've had a lot of uh, friends and who've had some really devastating, tragic things happen over these last couple of weeks, losing their daughter, daughter committing suicide, things like that. We can't get to those people. We take that for granted. We uh-huh. think that we're able to go and do, and we can't. So we've got to value this. This time is precious, mm-hmm. very precious. And uh, we have to really value the people that are in our lives, the things that we get to do on a daily basis that we so take for granted, just like uh, going to the bowling alley, which I love and can't do right mm-hmm. now. No, so we've got to really be learn to be more grateful for the things that we have and the people that we have in our lives. I yeah. really think, and I think we're all learning that. Yeah, I, I, I saw somebody post um, something about, um, will it be one day? You know, like you're talking about, one day I'll go visit my mom. One day right. I'll talk to so-and-so. Is right. It, is it one day or is today going to be day one? Yeah. And it's like really really appreciating this present moment. Exactly. Because I think so many times in our lives, we're running around in the busyness of our mm-hmm. responsibilities and obligations. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not really paying attention to like what you said, what's really important. Right. Yeah. And, and the people in our lives that we take for granted are very important because when they're not there, when you can't go to see them or, you know, it's really devastating to you. And we've got a lot of people who are, who are isolated. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think about really the elderly. You know, I live um, alone. And so, but I, I, I'm able to go outside and walk my street. And my neighbors, we're doing the walking with the social distancing and things like that. But we have some people who, who can't get out and do that. Mm-hmm. You know, who look forward to seeing the mailman mm-hmm. or look forward. You know, you know, just different things people stop and buy that they, they don't have that now. You know, checks, you can wellness check, but you have to do it, you know, via phone. And so people used to look forward to that physical interaction that they can't have right now. I'm a hugger and it kills me not to hug someone when I greet them. I know, I know. <laughs> and so, you know, you take that for granted, you know, and I try to be mindful of people's um personal space, you know, certain folks may not want you, but my thing is to greet you in love. And if I'm greeting you in love, I want to hug you. So, Uh you know, me too. And it's just so hard not to do that. And my, when my neighbor came and I hadn't seen him for a while yesterday and we were going walking and, you know, we had to start off our walk with distance. And normally we start off our walk with a hug and it's like, this is hard, but you know, (laughs) so yeah, we, we, we've got, we've just got to pay more attention. and, and when this is over, I hope that this resonates with us uh, about paying attention and, and valuing out and, and being appreciative of the people we have in our lives and the things we get to do on a daily basis. 
Yeah, I, I, I have been thinking about um, that and, and, you know, when we're in our quote unquote regular lives mm-hmm. in the busyness and the craziness, and now we're forced to really isolate and sort of be quiet and reflective and, yes. and recognizing what's all of the things that we think are essential really sort of are gone away right now. Exactly. Oh, and so when this is all over, that somehow we find this balance Mm -hmm. between the busyness and the solitude, you know, right. Really trying to figure out what's essential in life and, Mm -hmm. and what things we can let go of, what things, you know, are not as, as uh, meaningful. And, and that's one of the things I'm finding, you know, um, being here at the house and every day it's like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then my body says, why don't you just rest? Yeah. Why don't you go over there and do this? Why don't you just go out into the garden and do that? You know, it's like, you don't have to be always doing something. Yeah. Sit still and it's okay. And you know, for a lot of us, especially women, we have to find a way to give ourselves permission to have downtime. Yeah. Because we feel like we need to be doing something. Right. Don't. Because one of the things we need to be doing is taking care of ourselves. And sometimes we don't put enough emphasis on that mm-hmm. to take care of ourselves. Which, we is, which is just being instead of yes. doing, being. Yes, being. Exactly. You know, how many of us have all of these candles and things that we, we say we're going to go up and do the bubble baths? And the can- How many of us really do it on a I don't have time. Okay. I'm too tired. By the time I go upstairs, I'm too tired. <laughs> so when do we really do this? I mean, we buy the candles, we got them, you know, and we've got all the nice fragrances and, you know, bubble baths and you know what I'm saying? And, and, do, and then we go upstairs and we're like, oh, I really want to do that. What do we do? We, we get in the bed. Uh-huh. We shower, we get in the bed, we don't get in the tub. We don't take that time to just, hey, let me enjoy it. Let me be with myself for a minute. Let me check my thoughts. Let me check my emotions. Let me check where I am right now in life. Yeah. Why do we you need think, to do that? Why do you think that we don't do that? I, I think because society dictates that we should always be doing something. We we it's always been, you know, it's like people shame you when you're not doing something. What are you doing? I'm not doing anything. Why aren't you doing? Why, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm daydreaming. Exactly. Oh, that's, I'm using my imagination to create. That's unacceptable. That's unacceptable that you would do that. You know. So, <laughs> so I just think that when we look at TV and we look around the world, it's like, oh, we need to be doing something. But in actuality, nobody should be doing something 24-7 like that. It should always no. be downtime. Always. I, I think, you know, this is, this is the one thing that I think kids are great for because they don't just do, you know, they spend a lot of time just being and playing and imagining and dreaming and, and and a lot of resting, resting. Yeah. Taking naps. Hello. What is, what was was that? Everything I need to know. I learned in kindergarten, take a nap every day. Exactly. Exactly. Really? I'm serious. <laughs> but that whole um, 
you know, that whole like, so doing is a more masculine energy, right? And feminine and sort of being open and receptive is a more feminine energy. Mm -hmm. And even though women, quote unquote, should be more in their feminine, we have adapted to be in the more masculine energy because we need to take care of everybody else. Yes, Um, exactly. So so how did you learn? Because I know that this was an important lesson in my own evolution as well. How did Mm -hmm. you learn to start taking care of yourself that that was important? That's meaningful. It's not just, um, it's not just something you should do. It should like, it should be an integrated part of your everyday experience is taking care of yourself, just being and um, dreaming or imagining or being with your thoughts or how did you learn to do that in your own life? I think traveling did that for me because when I experienced other cultures, they were at a slower pace than we it was okay to lay on the beach. It was okay to lounge around. Um, when, I, when, I, when I just look at certain things and, and when, when I come back from trips, it's like, wow, that was great. Why can't I do that when I'm here? Why do I wait until I go on a trip? And because people are always, and people are always going to ask you to do things because one, they know you're going to do it. And they know you're going to do it well. And so, and they know you have a hard time saying no. So once I found the ability to say no, mm. helped me to find that balance. Because I always felt like I needed to do whatever someone asked me to do. Even if there was a no burning deep inside of me, I would always feel like I needed to, I should. And once I realized, no, you don't. If you feel that burning sense, it says, I don't really want to do this. Say no. I had to learn to say no. And that's when I started taking care of myself. That's when traveling became more important to me because I really liked going out and being able to relax. I mean, disconnect and relax and enjoy, and enjoy where I was. I love to see nature. I love to be out in nature. And I'm like, I go to these places and they're amazing. I never dreamt I would go to Egypt and, mm. and, and to a pyramid. And when you come out of those things, you're, you're like, your mind is blown. And you have this sense of being. Mm. And it, it's just amazing the, the spiritual walk you get when you allow yourself to, as you say, just be. Mm-hmm and connect with yourself. I was going to say, when you talked about disconnecting, it's Mm -hmm. disconnecting from all the external noise. Yes. Really connecting deeply within yourself. Mm -hmm. It is. It's a spirit, more spiritual connection, more, you're more um, going inside yourself Mm -hmm. and aware of where you are right now in the moment. Because most of us, we're not living in the moment. We're so busy trying to get to this place and that place. You know, what am I going to do next week? You know, how am I going? No, take a moment and, and just take stock of where you are right now in life. Mm-hmm. You know, take a moment. And go out on that deck and listen 
those birds, you know, chirping out there. And, and just watch and just listen to the silence that you can hear if you give yourself a moment to be with yourself and your spirit. It's amazing. It's amazing to experience that. And I do it regularly now. You know, I don't have to even go outside. I can sit right here in this office and look out that window. And I feel content because I have a bird feeder right outside. Mm. And I watch, you know, and I listen to them. And it's just so soothing. It's very soothing. I was just going to say, even listening to you talk, there's just this sense of peace. Yeah. Real peace when you just be. Yeah, it is. It really is. So how... It, and I think that I think that this is part of what the pandemic can teach us if we allow it is mm-hmm. to learn to turn out or turn off all of the outside noise and mm-hmm. fear and distraction and really come home to ourselves. Right. Yeah. I remember um, <laughs> when my husband, he would come home. And there would be no TV on. There would be no radio on. And he's like, what is wrong with you? What is all this silence? He couldn't stand the silence. Mm. He'd have to turn on things. He didn't understand. That's where I, I like to be. I like to be there. It's a good place. I don't need the TV. And people say, you work, you don't turn on the radio? No. Why? Why do I need that? Mm-hmm. But don't I you, don't. do you don't you think that a lot of people use all of those distractions as a way to avoid facing themselves? Absolutely. I absolutely believe that Um, because they think that if they take time and, and be with themselves, it might mean they have to do something. It might mean they have to do something differently. It might mean I need to take some action because where I am right now, it's not really where I want to be, mm-hmm. but for me to get out of where I am, I need to do something. And a lot of folks aren't ready to move. Mm-hmm. Not ready. And so they stay there. And one year turns into two years, and they still know they're not where they want to be. And they've become complacent, but they feel it. So all of those external noises keep them from having to focus on that. They don't have to focus on what, where, where they want to go and how they're going to get there. Well, and, and I think not only, um, it may not only be complacence, it may just be fear. You know, fear. this, was, this yeah. was something that I experienced while I was trying to decide if I wanted to stay in my marriage or leave my marriage. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. scared. You yeah. Know? I, I mean, I... Fear I, paralyzes us. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like, I don't know, you know, I know that I'm not okay where I am, but I'm afraid of what's out there because I have no idea, at least in my discomfort, it's familiar. Absolutely. And you have, you have like this false sense of security Mm -hmm. in your your discomfort. Yeah, that's, you're exactly right. So how do you, how do you, how do you help people overcome their fear and complacency? It's like, you know, how do you help people shift to, I know I'm, I know I'm not where I want to be, but I don't know how to get to where I think I might want to be. Because we've all had a journey. We've all been on a journey. So what I do is I share my stories. 
and in sharing my story. And I'm very open and transparent when I share my stories. Which because, is why I, it resonated with you. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yes. And so when you share your stories, it makes them, it gives them a, a strength. It makes them see, well, she did it. And I always let them know, I'll be there for you. I'll be your cheerleader. You can do this. I just reinforce the fact that you don't have to stay where you are. You can make a difference and you can get through it. Just like you've gotten through so many other things in your life. I tell, I tell people to look back from where you came. And I know there were some struggles back there. You overcame them. You can overcome this too. But you've got to want it. You've got to want it enough to make the change. You've got to see a better time in your life uh-huh. when you visualize. When you visualize where you want to be, you can, you can get there. But you're gonna, you need, people need help. And people need to hear from, when I told, shared the story, you know, um, <laughs> about my son and how this woman came into his life at the age of 27 and he turned from everything he knew. I was no longer a good mother. She had convinced him that I was the worst mother in the world. Mm-hmm. And so he left the family. But little did I know when he did that, he gave me a testimony that I would share over and over and over again to help other people get to a good place with the same things that had helped them, whether it was a child, a sibling, um, a parent. But my story, I have shared it so many times that it has helped others get to, because my thing was I had to come to the realization that the child I had was a gift and I had done what God had asked me to do. I had to let him go. Mm-hmm. I had to let him go. And I had to be okay with the way he left because now it was his journey that he had to go on. Mm-hmm. And I had to find peace with the fact that I did what God asked me to do. My child is a contributing member of society. This is now his journey. I had mine. He has his mm-hmm. journey. And I had to be okay with that. And I tell people, if it's meant to be, they'll be back. I reach out every now and then, hey, we still here. We still love you. Mm-hmm. So if you ever find that he wants to come back or we're not going to make it hard for you to come back, but it's got to be a decision. Mm-hmm. So you, we've, we've got to help people. We've got to share our stories because our stories do empower other people. They empower our friends and our relatives you know, to, do, to take that first step. And sometimes after they take that first step, you might have to go and, and talk to them again, encourage them, be encouraging, you know, and even if they hit a snag, we got to be encouraging. Yes, that happened, but you found a way, or we're going to find a way around that too. You're going to make it. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Reinforce that. I, I think that's the whole thing about non-judgment and, mm-hmm. ac- and acceptance, you know, yes. that, that we don't, even when we don't understand what's going on with somebody else, you know, we mm-hmm. have no control over them. We, we only have control over ourselves and our responses and our reactions. Right. And, you know, I, I imagine, I, I mean, when you told me the story, I was like heartbroken because I can't imagine my kids doing that. You know, I mean, when right. you, I couldn't either. Right. I couldn't either. And, I couldn't. and to say, 
what did, like what did I do wrong? Why did I why did he turn away from me? I mean, there must mm-hmm. have been a lot of a lot of times that you were questioning yourself. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, we, we you you go back in your mind over and over, you know, I did this, you know, I didn't do that and and the, the things that he would say, I'm like, that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. And then I had to come to the realization that there's a lot of outside influences on our children. You know, yes, we raised them pretty much in a controlled environment. Right. But outside that door, there are other voices they're listening to. Right. There are other things they're experiencing. And sometimes those voices drown out what you taught them. Mm-hmm. What you them, what you gave them, mm-hmm. uh, as far as instilling values, and, th- and, and because if anyone would have ever told me that my son would have separated from me, I, I, I could have not have believed it. Mm-hmm. And so I believed that there was a reason and there was a greater good for that happening, and that's when I realized that you know God has a plan. And that plan was for me, who he made me strong enough. Because yeah. that's the strength that God yeah, has put you are one strong made woman. me strong enough to be able to say, hey, God's got a plan for me with this testimony. And I've been using it and I've been helping other people to find peace. Because that's what we needed to find. Yeah. We need to find our peace with that. Yep. So... That's what, what I learned to do. And all of that came from looking at, oh, this ain't mine. You know, this is not mine. Mm-hmm. This is part of my journey. Right. But it's mine. Right. And believe it or not, when my son pulled away from me, unbeknownst to me, God gave me two more sons. Mm-hmm gave me two stepsons who actually found their father through media. Wow. And these two sons he gave me loved me like I birthed them. Mm -hmm. They are there for me. They check upon me. They love me unconditionally. And so that too was a blessing. Yes, God says, this one has to take this path, but I, I, got, I, I need to bring these other ones to you. And believe me, I didn't know what was going on, but I became their gift. Mm-hmm. I became, my husband had several children and all of them were by different women, but I gave them a single home because everyone that came to my home, I embraced them like that. I had birthed them. Mm-hmm. You could who was my biological who was my step because we didn't entertain the step <clears throat> no because you got a whole lot of love to give yes <laughs> and so so when they came it was family so i gave them a, a home where they all could come and be siblings and have a mother and father and it felt like family it wasn't forced it was comfortable mm-hmm. and I, my son biological missed out on that because it has been amazing mm-hmm. and this is your reward for doing what I asked you and so and and my my son um, gave me 
amazing grandchildren. I have one uh, granddaughter named Diamond. And, you know, we're thick as thieves. <laughs> <laughs> How old is she? Diamond is, will be, what, 15. Uh-huh. 15. Yes. So that's my heartthrob right there. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, and I, I think, too, um, when you were talking about you had to find your peace, mm-hmm. I feel like every challenge in our life, mm-hmm. um, those are the opportunities for us to regain the peace that is supposed to be ours. You know, like all of these, all of these challenging situations are ways in which we could potentially like doubt ourselves, disconnect from ourselves, um, not honor who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like all of these places or opportunities to really love and accept ourselves and find that Mm -hmm. sense of peace um, that we have, you know, when we come into this world. And I think that we have when we leave this world physically as Mm -hmm. well. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I I think about the times, you know, coming up to, to getting to that period, that period of peace, that, that destination of peace. Um, And I think of all the times I spent alone Mm -hmm. thinking, about and what could I have done? What should I have done? Could I have, you know, and I, and I think about that. And then I go back to, no, you raised him as you should have with the tools that you were equipped to raise him yeah. with. And you gave him a wonderful life and there's no more you could have done mm-hmm. because what's with him now has nothing to do with me. With you. You're trying to say it does because that's his way out. It's her way of manipulating him. But what they're going through has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. So I came to the realization that that's their journey. I'm, I'm, I mean, it gave me a sense of peace that, and it made me go back and remember I had a journey. I'm sure that my journey, I had some missteps. I cut some people out of my life that probably I should not have. And it's like, Okay, we all got a journey. We all got a story. Mm-hmm. I'm still writing mine, and this is part of that story. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. And, that. and all of that, and finding peace, my spiritual peace, you know, talking more to God, um, letting him, sitting still and being still so I could hear mm-hmm. what he was saying to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I got my strength from. That's where I got most of my understanding from. I remember a young girl in my office when I was going through a, a rough time with my husband. She gave me a book. It was called The Story of David, Praise Under Pressure. Read that book, and I tell you, every time I felt myself all bottled up and, and frustrated, I'd go get that book, and I'd read something in The Story of David. And it helped me. Helped me realize that, hey, I'm somebody that God is using. I may not be perfect, but he's using me. And because I, ha- he has given me so many gifts, I cannot not do what he needs me to do. Mm-hmm. I am gifts that I never knew I had. The ability even right now to speak with you. I was such a shy, timid child. Uh, I t- really? Yes. Yes. Wow. I was so- it wasn't until I left home 
that I found my voice. Mm. I became, and, 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 and I realized that I had a lot to offer, but I was, I had to get away from my family in order to find me. Mm-hmm. You're in a large family, like it's easy to get lost in it. Mm-hmm. And leaving home, and then when I left home <laughs> and realized that I did have a voice, boy, did I start to use that voice. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was an advocate for, you know, the, the military wives to the point that one of the the first commanders of my, of my husband's uh, platoon, um, battalion had, had told him, uh, can you get some control of your wife? <laughs> <laughs> and he, oh, and he and his response was, are you kidding me? <laughs> he told, you know what he told me? He says, sir, you have my permission. To my wife. <laughs> That was so funny. And I look back over those times because, you know, we were just trying to make it. And I had all of these young military wives looking to me. And I'm like, why are they coming to me? And so that's when I, I found my voice. And I remember <laughs> I remember going home. Uh, and I hadn't been home for years because of our travel. We had been Frankfurt, Germany. And then I was in Fort Huachuca, Arizona. So we kept going Germany and, and back to Arizona. And so when I went back home, I remember my mother saying to me one time, she had said something, you know, some things you used to let go and they could say them and you just brush them off. Uh-huh. And I guess I pressed it. And she says, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> I said, really? She said, you're getting just like your sister. I don't even know who you are. Because she was not used to me speaking up, speaking uh-huh. up for my, uh-huh. and I was now, and so while I was gone, I grew into my own. I found my voice and I have been using it every sense. You know, <laughs> I've been trying my best to, you know, make sure that um, what I speak motivates people to be the best than they can be. Mm-hmm. I want her that I make a difference. And, you know, on the job, you know, people say, you know, you really get on our nerves. Every time we see you, you're happy. <laughs> You get you get on our nerves because you're happy. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Oh, they be like, here comes Miss Sunshine. <laughs> I said, y'all need to get over yourselves. <laughs> why is it? Why do people not want to be happy? I don't know. I mean, and it's like, oh, here she comes. And I'm like, what is wrong with you all? And they're like, you know what? You know, we want to be like you. That's what they say. We want to be like you. They're just jealous. Yes. And I tell them you can be, but you've got to let go of some stuff. Yeah. Stuff. Right now you guys are, are dealing in stuff and you haven't learned how to let it go. You got to let go. Of stuff. Letting go of the stuff that blocks that peace. Yes. Yes. Because you know, when my first, my son first did that. It, it did. I, I couldn't find peace. Cause I had this all the time, all the time. I'm thinking about it, ruminate. I'm like, how is this happening? Cause you, I just, Imagine it's happening to me. My son and I were just like this. Mm-hmm. I was what, 21. And we'd always been just like this, even to the point that his girlfriend had said, used to say all the time, oh, I've never seen a mother and a son so, so close. close. And that right there was a sign. She was not feeling that. Mm-hmm. Was not feeling our closeness. I and think she, that she was jealous too. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
And so, um, but I thought my son um, would have been stronger than that. But again, outside influences mm-hmm. impact on our kids once they're older. We have influence when they're younger, but the outside influences are way stronger than we are as they get older. Well, and I, yeah. and I, think, I, I think that speaks to everything that you've been talking about, about really looking inward and finding out what's right for you and right. finding your voice yes. to, to say no. Yes, exactly. You need to say no to say, mm-hmm. this is what works for me. This is what mm-hmm. I want in my life. This is the life mm-hmm. that I want to create. You yeah. may have your opinions and perspectives, but what really honors me? And mm-hmm. I think, I think it's really hard for both men and women to do that, you know, because I agree. because we're conditioned to give and do and be whom the world decides we should, should be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, and I, I always say like, who is they, who is they mm-hmm. that's determining who we should be, right? Right. <laughs> right. So it's like, how do you how do you how do you come to this place of really recognizing what is right for you and honoring what's right for you? Like being your authentic self, like what speaks to you, what resonates with you, not based on external influences and what he said, or she said, or, you know, whomever else, whoever else they is in your life. And I think, you know what, for me, it, I found my passions. And once I realized what my passion in life was, uh-huh. passion in life was people. It was my passion in life was making something better. Uh, I just have a passion for, for making people or seeing people grow into who they should be or, or, you know, being the best them. I mean, it's just, it excites me that I've had the opportunity at CDC to mentor so many people, so many young ladies, so many older at the time, older than I was and make, and give them an opportunity to, to self-reflect and, and say, and because one of the things I always used to say when I got a new mentee was if you're not ready for the truth, you're not ready for me. Oh, wow. And that's what I would tell them. Say, um, can, because, you say, can you say that again, please? <laughs> if you're not ready for the truth, you're not ready for me. Yeah. And that's wow. them before we get, because I was going to make them look at themselves. Yeah. In this situation, why is this person treating you this way? Why is this supervisor treating you this way? What are you doing to contribute to that? Mm-hmm see you, how they treat you, how they respond to you. You've got something in this while they feel that they can do this to you. So what are you doing? And so that's the first thing I make them look at themselves. And then once we look at that and I make them be honest, because when they tell me what the situation is, I come back with, Hey, well, you should have done that. Or you didn't do this. And that's why he did that. Mm-hmm. And when we, when we look at that and you make and look at themselves and then that's where the work comes in you know and then I start to say well, what is it you really want I hear what you're saying 
obviously either this job is not a good fit for you, but where do you want to be? And let's talk about that. Let's talk about how we're going to get you there. Mm -hmm. That's what we do. That is a very, very passion. That's a very, very hard thing for a lot of people to do is really face themselves. Yes. Yes. It's very hard to do. That's why you have coaches. That's why you have mentors. You've got to realize your shortcomings. You, we all need help. Everyone needs some help. We do. And so you've got to find people that you trust. One of the things that uh, helped me to grow and find myself was I would latch on to informal mentee mentors. I didn't go to them and say, will you mentor me? But I saw the qualities that I liked in that particular person. Mm-hmm. And I just paid attention to them and how they conducted them, themselves in meetings and, you know, how they spoke and different things like that. And I'm like, what? and then I was like, I want to take a course over here because I want to be, have that kind of confidence in that particular, or I'm going to read this book over here because I think that's going to help me with where I'm trying. But just informal mentors really helped me. And then uh, when I got to a point where I really was like, I, I need more guidance. That's when I'd reach out and say, hey, um, would you mind being my mentor? And, um, and, and just having someone that says, hey, first of all, just like I said, I don't have, what do you, what do you see in me that you think that I have to give you? Uh-huh. And, and, and I explained to them what I saw and, and, and the things that um, drew me to them. And we talk about it and um, they said, sure, I'm willing to help you. And, and they did, you know, um, and I look back at CDC and I says, and, w- and when someone gives you that and you look back and you look up, you says, I got to give back. Mm-hmm. I got and that's, and that's what I do because someone took the time to do it for me. I have to do it for others. Yeah. How do you, how do you help people um, who well, a, a couple of things um, because you, you are a leader. I mean, you just have this energy and presence and um, I don't know, you, you, you shine. <laughs> to me, which is why I, which is why I was drawn to you. Um, but so, so some people listening, they might, they might say, well, I'm not really a leader. I'm more kind of, you know, I, I prefer to stay in the background. So that's one aspect that I want to ask you about. And then the other aspect is how do people find their passion if they just say, well, I just really don't have any passions. I, you know, I'm just kind of here doing my thing and nothing is really um, lighting me up or inspiring me or like, how do you help people discover that about themselves? What was your first question you were, you were asking about, about being a leader? I'm not a leader. So why should I, why should I do any of that? Well, and see, that was me at one time thinking I wasn't a leader, but all my actions and all of my interactions in, in a group made me bubble up to the top. Mm-hmm. kept denying it and it but it was obvious to others that I was um there was a team of of four of us and um somehow some way I became the leader of that we were all the same grade same everything but somehow I became the leader of the team I got to be 
the director's uh, program assistant. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, but we, we deny, deny, deny it, but it took other people to help me realize it. It's not something I realized on my own. It took time. It took a lot for me to realize that I was, even though I kept finding myself in leadership roles and leadership positions, I still had not embraced it, mm-hmm. denied it, but I was still doing. So I think a lot of things happen for me. I think being in those positions, having people always um, reinforcing that I had the skills, it took people to tell me and con- and keep putting me in positions. And then I started putting myself in certain positions. But in working with people who are definitely sometimes not leaders, but you can grow a leader. They don't have to be natural leaders. Um, There's some people who can lead in certain areas. You know, they can't be say, um, I'm not a leader, but you're a great follower and you can lead in this particular area. Mm-hmm. You don't not put them over everything. But there's some, some areas you'll see that they have potential. And so it takes sometimes people pointing out what your potential. And when you talk about, you know, people who have a passion, not knowing what their passion is and finding their passion, you start off with little questions with them. What do you really like to do? And then you... you when you're you t- confined in your house, what do you like to do? Yeah, good good point there. Exactly. What is it you like to do? There are some people who really like to clean up, you know, who really Can like you send them to my house, please? Mine too. And they and there there's one friend of mine. She is the epitome of organization. I'm like, can she come over this week? <laughs> but um but she's also a leader, but before she was a leader. She was a great organizer, and that helped her to grow into leadership roles. But I think a lot of times people have to find their passion because they have to stand still, sit still, and do some Mm self-reflection. And what makes you feel good? Let's start with that. Mm -hmm. Feel good. When you do this, that, how does it make you feel? Well, and probably people go does it really matter how I feel? Does it matter that I feel good? Like maybe so they, where, they spent a lot of their life not feeling good because they never gave themselves permission, which is, which goes back to our first statement about, I'm not going to take a bubble bath because it'll feel good. And I'm just going to go to bed. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, uh, you know, I, and, and I just think life and your journey and the things that you encounter on your journey help you to grow and help you to find your passion. Mm-hmm. And I said, because when, when I was that shy, shy and timid child, I became, my sisters were my bullies. They were mm-hmm. my, because they knew that they, they weren't going to, I wasn't going to fight back. Uh-huh. I wasn't going to cry. And so they were my first real bullies mm-hmm. in my And so the name calling, the different things that they'd done to me, I didn't, I had no sense of who I was. Mm-hmm. Step away from everything I knew when I got older and um, to find out who I was. I had to step away from it, step away from my family. And that's when I went as a military wife and I went to, um, we went to Yuma, Arizona. And so it, it, it's, finding who you are sometimes takes you to step away 
from everything that is comfortable for you. And I did not realize the, the impact that my siblings had on me mm-hmm. person during the time that they were bullied. I didn't even know that um, my, we all, all have this perception of who we are in, in our mind. And, it, and it's kind of skewed because it's based on how people have treated you. Yeah, they, it's based on other people. Yeah, it's based yes. on other people's stuff that they're trying to dump on you. Exactly, exactly. Uh-huh. And so in dealing with them, I beca- as I got older and was in school, because I didn't find out till later that, that I, people considered me as uh, no nonsense. In high school, when I came back from, from uh, the, uh, a trip or a tour with my husband, we came back and we saw some of our old high school friends and we were talking and they were telling, girl, you were a mess in school. And I, in my mind, I'm like, what? I was nice. I was kind. I was this. I was that. They said, yeah, but you were no nonsense. I never, I never knew that about myself. Huh. This is how I had changed to deal with negativity and things like that because it was taught in, in, from my siblings who were bullies. I couldn't do them. So as I got stronger, I wasn't taking no stuff from anyone. Right. I wasn't having it. And so I guess little things that people would do to me, I'd come go straight at them. Oh, no, it's not. Uh-uh. And I never knew that. I never saw myself in that light. It took my friends to tell me. I remember uh, in high school, I received the I Dare You Award. And I'm like, Dare You Award? What is that? You know, I'm like, they were like, we dare you to succeed because you're going to kill someone. <laughs> you're not going to make it, Sharon. <laughs> so I received the I dare you award. I didn't know what that was about. It takes sometimes other people to, to you know, shine a spotlight on some of the things that you think about yourself. And I, I, and, and, but all of that stemmed from how my siblings had treated me. Mm-hmm. Put up this great defense. Yeah, no, like you're, I'm tired of being messed with. I don't want anybody messing with me. Exactly, uh-huh. exactly. Because even during that time, I know I remember. You know, when I was young and I hadn't found my voice. Uh, I know for my my two sisters, um, I tried to kill them at least twice. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I tried to choke my sister out, and uh, with my mother sitting right across the table. Uh, from us, but I had no voice. I couldn't verbalize. I couldn't spar with them verbally. Uh-huh. And so the thing was to get to a point of such frustration and that rage. I would laugh. Rage. Yes, it was rage. Yeah. It was rage. And um, we laugh about it now, but it wasn't funny to them back then. No. Uh-uh. So it had gotten to the point that they would grab, uh, if I got mad, they would go into the kitchen and take the whole drawer of knives out. All oh my this gosh. because they knew something was going to happen and it wasn't going to be good. So and you, my, and, and you said, I dare you. I dare you. Exactly. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> so I got nicknamed Killer Kowalski. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, and, and, but. And again, now she's disco queen Sharon. <laughs> But all of that, you know, all of that was part of my journey and part of, of 
self-discovery mm-hmm. because inside of me, in my mind, that's not who I was. Mm-hmm. So I had to, to learn and step back and look and feel. I think that's what it was. It was feeling what I was passionate about, the fact that I was always wanting to help somebody. Mm-hmm. I was always, you know, ready to, you know, take part in whatever volunteer work was going on. I want to be a part of that. And so I realized my passion has always been people. Mm-hmm. It's always been people. Even as a young child, I was the neighborhood big sister. When the other big sisters, they had no time for the little, their siblings. I was the, if I was, if I couldn't go, most of the neighborhood little children couldn't go. Mm-hmm. First, what know, Sharon going. Mm-hmm. So I just had that, the leadership, but in my mind, that wasn't that wasn't me, and because I had been beat down to believe that I wasn't mm-hmm. anything, mm-hmm. and so going out into the world and experiencing that, and really, then you sit back over time and you start to think about when were when was I happy, and then you always have these people coming to you, and it, you just it's self discovery, mm-hmm. and you but you always got to take time and listen to what's going on in your own head, because well, that's where I go. Yeah, I w- when you were talking about, you know, being a leader, it really comes down to being a leader of yourself. Yeah, yeah. And acceptance, acceptance of who you are. Yeah. You've, you've come to believe everything other people have said about you. And then you like, but then you're like, but that's, that's not me, because that's how it was when my friend was like, girl, you were a mess. You were, and I'm like, but that's not me. Yeah. It says, now but it was then mm-hmm. I says, yeah, step away from all of these things, the, the expectations that people had put up, they expected me to do this and they expected me to act like this, but that was not who I really was. Yeah. And so, because you know, I had been one of those shy and timid people and I read books all the time and I loved the little cute stories of, you know, uh, and so I'm like, that's, that's not my spirit. My spirit is calm. My spirit is loving. My spirit is giving. Mm-hmm. So where, Where's this person coming from? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know her. And so when people tell me that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm confused. Uh, and so that's when I started really paying attention to who I was. Mm-hmm. When I really started paying attention to what I wanted, what my passion was. And my passion has always been helping people. And I, and I just can't get away from that. <laughs> no matter how hard. <laughs> no, because you do have such a beautiful, <laughs> joyful, giving spirit. And it's, it is, this is so bad. This, it's infectious. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's wonderful. That's what I want it to be. <laughs> that's what I want it to be. <laughs> that was a really bad joke, Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I guess that's why that's why I work in the National Center for Infectious Diseases. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but to, but I feel like you know all of those experiences when even you know the challenging ones, the difficult ones, the the ones where you doubt yourself and you mm-hmm. feel afraid or you feel badly about yourself or whatever, all of those all of those um, situations are places where you look back and you develop compassion for yourself. Yes. You develop understanding when you, you know, when you take the time to reflect about who, yeah. am, who am I really? 
uh, why am I here? What, mm -hmm. um, what brings me joy? You know, what mm -hmm. do I want to fill my life with? I'm, mm -hmm. This was the thing when I was struggling in my own marriage. You know, I came from a really great family. My parents are still married after 57 years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was a therapist at the time counseling couples. And I was like, I can help mm -hmm. so many other people and I can't help myself. Mm -hmm. And it, it, you know, I kept saying, why, why, why am I going through this? You know, right. And now, right. and now I'm on the other side and I'm, <laughs> and all of the things that I'm doing and all of the connections that I'm making have mm -hmm. just expanded my world in such beautiful, um, joyful, amazing ways. Mm -hmm. Yes. What I'm doing yeah. here is my passion, you know, having these See? kind of conversations to mm -hmm. find out people's stories and to find out, you know, how, how you overcame your crap that you dealt with and came mm -hmm. to this sense of peace and love and acceptance of who you are and, um, and what kind of life you want to create for yourself. Exactly. And I think one of the things that um, really, really, I can say helped me was when I realized how important I was to myself. Oh, yes. When I realized Amen, how sister. I was to myself. Yeah. All the difference in the world. Because there's one thing I, I re read recently that says, what other people think of you is none of your business. Yeah. And so I, and that's when I think I really started to understand um, about my passion, about what brought me joy is when I'm saying, I am, I am valued. Yeah. I, if no one else does, I do. I started looking at all the things I give of myself. I started looking at all the gifts that God has given me and I've shared them. I'm like, I'm somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm not just what people think I am. Yeah. Next. I'm it, so much more. Yeah. That you, you feel your own sense of value and worth. Oh my gosh. It's liberating. It's so liberating. Yeah. When, and a lot of people, it's sad to say, haven't gotten there. And yeah. some may get there. Yeah. Because they're so beat down. And they don't have a circle that surrounds them with positive energy. Mm -hmm. People are some people are in relationships or families and the and the energy is toxic. Mm -hmm. And I think that until they step outside of that circle and have a glimpse of that positive energy or have a feel of that positive energy on a regular basis, mm -hmm. I think they get stuck there. So a lot of things is, is going to depend on people moving out of where they are mm -hmm. with other Say, people. Saying no to things that make them feel badly. Exactly. If you don't have a passion for something, when somebody asks you something and you don't feel, my pastor came to me and asked me to serve on um, another committee for the a church council, I think it was. And I told her, I cannot. She says, well, why? You're, you're a great leader. I'm like, but I don't feel it. Mm -hmm. And she, 
me all of these things about, well, God's going to move this out of the way. I says, but if it was for me, I would be already be okay with it because he would have already that in my heart. And that's what would have been something he wanted me to do. I could feel it, but instead I feel no, no is bubbling up fast and furious. And she says, well, go think about it. I says, I'll think about it. I says, but I already know if God doesn't change the way I feel, I won't be able to do it because I will not be able to give it my all. I will not be passionate about it. Where do you, where do you feel that Sharon? Where do you feel Mm -hmm. the no? Where do you feel the no versus where do you feel the yes? I feel them in both. I feel it in my spirit. I so feel it because when something is right, if something feels good, I feel good if you ask me to do something and you, and I feel good. I feel good all over. When like, someone- like me asking you to be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> but but in, in essence, inside, I was like, why, why does she feel that I have something to offer? I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm excited. I want to do it. I'm, I'm like, well, because even when you mentioned it on the ship that you would, and I'm like, Oh, that's so nice of her to, you know, I was not expecting to hear from you. No, I was like, that is so nice of her, you know? And I'm like, but it's not going to happen. And so when, when you did, I'm like, oh, I want to do this. And then I listened at your other part. What do I have to offer? You know, they sound so great. They got all of this going on. And, and so I'm like, what do I have? But I I see your value. Exactly. And I'm like, and then I, but your spirit was one that I trusted. Your spirit was something that, and when I listened to you, I trusted your spirit mm-hmm. and your spirit to my spirit. Mm-hmm. So my spirit was like, oh, I want to do that with her. But then I'm like, well, what can I say? What can I do? What do I have to offer? But I want to do it. But what do I have to offer? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but it, was, it, it wasn't like, oh no, I don't want, yeah. No, it wasn't at all. No, it was like, I want to, but can I do this? What do I have to offer? It's always, what do I have to offer? Uh-huh. We always, we always sell ourselves short. We do. Uh-huh. You know, one of the things I used to say to um, my friend, hold on for just a moment. Yeah. One of the things I used to, I, I always, you know, tell people is that, um, I lost my train of thought. Uh, so, but anyway, yeah, I, I just, we're always selling ourselves so short. And I always tell people that be your own drum major. Uh-huh. You know, you, you've got to be your own drum major. Uh-huh. And, and people, like when they come and I'm, I'm working with them on interview techniques and things like that for, interview, for interviews. And, and, and they'd be like, well, I can't say that. I'm like, well, if you don't say it, who will, who's going to toot your horn if you don't toot it? Yeah. You've got your own champion. Yeah. You're going in and going there with confidence, not cocky, but confidence. And, and you know, be your tr- true self. Know your, the, own, know your own value. Know your value. And for so long, I didn't know my value. Yeah. You know, I would take anything and I would do. But, but once you discover your, discover your worth, Wow. That's when you start to discover your passions too. And that's when, and that's when you feel free to just be. Yes. Just be. Uh 
And I tell people all the time, guys, they're like, the folks checking on you okay over there by yourself? I'm fine. I have peace. (laughs) Such peace. But I've also discovered during this time that I have a lot of friends who think about me. Mm -hmm. You go through your daily routine. You don't talk to them every day. But you're on their call list. Yo, I got to check on Sharon. She's over there by herself. Or I'm just going to check on her because. I need to know how she's doing. And I'm getting texts from people. I'm like, I probably hadn't spoke to you in a, in a year. And they don't want anything. They just want to say, hey, I'm just checking on you. Yeah. And so you, you, you don't necessarily know the impact that you've made in other people's lives because, you know, um, it's just not evident every day. You know, you don't have anybody say, oh, you're great. You're, you did this. But, um, yeah, you've you, you got to find your passion. you gotta, you got to be okay with you. Yeah. Gotta be, and some people again, it takes them to get out of their own way. Uh-huh. Some of us can't do that because we're so beat down by what other people have done, what people in society have done to them, and and uh, drummed into their heads that if you don't have this, if you don't do this, if you don't wear that, you're not. We, we got to get a, get away from that, right? Yeah, it's like stop letting the world and everybody else define who you want to be. Exactly. You yeah. have to, you have to just say, you know, this is who I am. I mm-hmm. want to let go of all that past crap that's holding yeah. me back because basically yeah. it's allowing other people to control your life. Exactly. And it's exactly. like, no, this is not the life that I want to live. I want to live this life. I want right. to, I want to feel peace. I want to feel joy. I want to feel connection i want to feel and i want to feel self love yeah feel that self love you know cuz that that's another thing that gets you to the point where you're able to say no 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 mm-hmm. we've all and, and especially women we have to learn to say no yeah. because we are afraid to say no because we're afraid of hurting somebody's feeling or we're afraid of losing that friendship or we're afraid that if I say no to something that it's not going to come back around again, or, uh-huh. you know, we're just so afraid of saying no. Well, I, we don't hurt well, I think when you say no to others, like you were talking to your pastor, I'm saying no to you, but it's really saying yes to myself. Exactly. Because it's honoring who I am and what, what my spirit wants, what my heart and soul are saying you know what's resonating with me right and and when i and and when i sometimes when i say no i always believe that there's a purpose a reason for that no yeah I always believe that there's something else that i'm meant to do yeah during the time frame that you're asking me to do this it has not been, yet been revealed to what that is right. but something has come up that i need to do right so i'm going to wait on that um, because I want to be ready and available for whatever that is. Right. It's it's tr- it's trusting in your own uh, divine intuition. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. I I feel like you know we get messages all the time, mm-hmm. of little signs and guideposts about our journey, where we should be, right. you know, it's never linear. Right. It's always like windy, circular, up and down, backwards exactly. and forwards. <laughs> and you have to, and you have to say, 
I have no idea where this is going, but I just know that this is true for me. Exactly. Exactly. So, so, so. You have to work at it. So tuning out all the outside noise and it's mm-hmm. really always about coming back to yourself. It is. It really, and, and that's the only way we grow into who we're supposed to be yeah. is when we start at, uh, taking an inward look mm-hmm. at who, what our passions are, mm-hmm. what our emotions are, you know, because a lot of times you have emotions and sometimes take a moment and say, why am I feeling this way about this? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I hear about something or see something on TV and I'm like, what is that about? Why am I feeling this way? Because it resonated with me in some way. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what that way is. So I take a moment for myself to say, why am I feeling this? Where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. You know, and so you ask those questions of yourself. We have to, we have to take time to learn and, and get to know ourselves. We do. Yeah. We really do. Yeah. So let me, so this is, this is the last question that I ask okay. my guests is, how do you define real love? How do I define real love? For me, real love is just unconditional. Real love is having a feeling of joy to see a person show up in, at my door in my life. Mm-hmm. When I think about real love, it, there, there, there's nothing to define it. It's like, like when I met you, I feel a love for you because it's your energy. I feel that. Your energy makes me want to love you. And I think real love is just a, a spiritual connection with someone else. And, um, and it, it, it is unconditional. You know, you accept people for whatever little quirkiness they might have. I have friends. I love them. But they have some ways. I, <laughs> <laughs> but I love them. Yeah. Unconditionally. Yeah. Anything they need. So, I mean, to me, love is just a spiritual connection with another being. Mm-hmm. And it's unconditional. Mm. Unconditional. Beautiful. So, Sharon, um, you, you're so funny. Like, oh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I have to offer. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this conversation has been packed with beautiful wisdom. You oh, are you are an amazing woman. Oh, Don, that is so kind. You're so kind. You are an amazing woman. I saw it when we were dancing. <laughs> and I Which knew we it. love to and do. I knew it when we were talking. And <laughs> I knew that this I knew that this conversation would be amazing. So thank you. Thank I really appreciate that. I really appreciate this opportunity to share. It, it gave me an opportunity to reflect. Yeah. You know, really go back and, yeah. and, and my journey yeah. and feel some of the things that, that made me who I am today. Yeah. So I appreciate you giving me this platform, giving me this time. Yeah. Thank you. So Sharon, can, um, can people get in touch with you? Can they find you? Can they find uh, stuff that you do at CDC? Well, um, you can't find the stuff that I do at CDC, um, but you can always go to CDC.gov because we're all connected in there. Okay, but good. Contact, they can reach me on, uh, on Facebook. I am Sharon um, McAfee, M-C-A-F-E-E, Martin, M-A-R-T-N. Okay. Um, I am on Instagram, Sharon Martin 16 Okay. Yeah, that's Instagram mm-hmm, on Twitter. 
I can't remember sometimes. And everything. Do you, you want to give a plug for your Hosea volunteer stuff? Oh, oh, yeah, that's that's here in Atlanta. Hosea Williams used to uh, walk with Martin Luther King, and uh, he was a, a, a great advocate here uh, in Atlanta. And so, yeah, Hosea feeds the hungry and helpless, and it's a wonderful organization. And, and right now they're looking for volunteers here in the Atlanta area. Um, yeah, it, go out there to Hosea um, Feast the Hungry and check out their website. There are always, always volunteer opportunities uh-huh. in all kinds of things. If it's just set up and they have the, the uh, Thanksgiving dinner. And so we have like three days of it's set up. And you can come and cook if you like and prep and what have you. And everything is just amazing. Um, and it's, it's time really, really well spent. And, and you walk away with a, uh, a sense of you have given mm-hmm. back to the society, to the community. Yeah. It's really, yeah. I, can I share it? Uh, a poem? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, definitely. I wrote a poem, and I thought it would be appropriate here. Perfect. It's, look, it's published. See. <laughs> and it's called The Uniqueness of Me. Who's it by? Sharon Martin. Oh, it's by you. It is. It is by you. Okay, go for it. (laughs) It's called The Uniqueness of Me. It says, the uniqueness of me is sometimes obvious to see in my role as the student, the teacher, the mother, the lover, the wife, the friend who will love and care for you all of your life, the bowler who bowls with a spirit so free. Oh, but this is but a small part of the uniqueness of me. The true uniqueness of me is not that easy to see, for it is hidden deep within me. It is that fire that burns so deep inside that it is very easy to hide. Yet it holds my inner light that shines so bright that you might see the inner beauty in me. The inner light that shines so bright for all to see is the magnificent spirit God has given me. This spirit is the true uniqueness of me. Oh my gosh, that is gorgeous. I encourage Show me that book. It's called A Surrender to the Moon. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful, Sharon. It's from the uh, International, let's see. The International Library of Poetry. Oh my gosh, can people find that somewhere? I found it on Amazon. Well, this one was sent to me by the publisher, but I found it on Amazon the other day. Oh my god, that's amazing. You are a gift. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You wrote it when? I wrote this poem. We, I was in a class and the class was um, called, let's see, because I wrote, I wrote a um, little bio profile. Professor challenged us to write the essence, talk, to write about the essence of my unique self. Uh-huh. And that's when I came up with that poem. Beautiful. The uniqueness of me. This is, of me. this is everything I that we... Sharon and Martin. <laughs> this is uh, what we have been talking about this entire time, about mm-hmm. self-reflection and, um, you know, what I say at the end of every podcast, the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. So thank you for highlighting that. Thank you for expressing that. Thank you for 
being the leader that you are and sharing your light and your love and your peace um, and your joy. I mean, it's been a pleasure, pleasure, pleasure to spend a week with you on the ship. (laughs) I know, right? We'll have to do that again. (laughs) We will have to do that again. And I would love to have uh, more of these conversations because... Oh, absolutely. I'd be more than happy to. Yeah. This is how we shine our light and uh, uplift the world. Great. That's what we need to do. Yeah. So for all of you listeners, I'm sure you will love this uh, conversation because there's so much wisdom and, um, you know, beauty and joy and love and acceptance and peace in this conversation. Uh, So please subscribe and share with all of your friends, subscribe to the wake up to real love podcast. And if anyone uh, would like to work with me on rising out of heart, heartbreak and betrayal, uh, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at the awakening with Dawn and my YouTube videos that I'm um, going to post will be on YouTube soon under the awakening with Dawn as well and wake up to real love podcast. And, um, You know, as I said, uh, the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. And you are a beautiful example of that, Sharon Martin. So thank you so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Don. I really appreciate the time with you. All right. Listeners, every day, wake up to more and more real love. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye.